0: Chapter 16, War. In the morning, I arose yet again to the burning sensation of sun in my face. I was becoming very sensitive, even for a plain white guy. I reached for the alarm clock I never have to set to check the time. I managed to sleep until 7 a.m. Josie had told the group to meet at my house at 7.30. I checked my phone for messages to find one from Josie, listing everyone who was in for the trip. In a small shocker, everyone, including Victoria, had managed to weasel their way on what would be our last trip up north. If our first trip started this unfolding destiny, then this trip was to seal its fate. I prepared for the day like it was any other, showered, got clothes on, ate breakfast. Then I followed up the morning task with packing a few changes of clothes, my weaponry bag, and then grabbed my dad's old chainsaw. I hoped there would be some tree cutting in my future. I made sure it was filled with gasoline and I waited out on the front step for my friends. I had left a note on the fridge for my mother that would make sense to her depending on how she woke up that day. My thoughts were on what I had noticed in the bathroom mirror that morning. My body had been completely consumed by whatever pale, bluish disease was overtaking me. Only my face was left untouched except for the heel mark on my cheek. All I could think of was that It must be some sort of infection. Josie arrived first and came bearing a gift. She pulled out of her car a big department store bag, though I couldn't tell which one, and handed it to me. I opened the bag and I pulled out a thick black leather jacket. It must have cost a small fortune. I couldn't have you fighting a war in a hoodie, Josie said with a smile. I figure if leather can protect motorcyclists, it might help you tonight. It was the sweetest gesture anyone had ever done for me, and I immediately put it on, ignoring the terrible valley heat already boiling in the morning. I was surprisingly cool. She gave me a big hug and snuggled into the coat and whispered, "'So it smells like me.'" It would be hard to smell her wonderful scent over the scent of leather, but it was a genuine effort. I wondered when she found time to buy it, but my mind was pulled away from the train of thought by others pulling in the driveway. Seth pulled in with Victoria in his car. It was a new Subaru flavor of the month from his dad's dealership. This time, I knew what kind it was. A stunning dark blue Trebekah sedan. In my opinion, it's one of the slickest looking cars on the market. It would seat the five of us comfortably for this last trip. I was taking the engine tour with Seth when Ava pulled in. Alright guys, the warden called me last night and he's going to help us. I warned everyone but it came as an absolute shock to the group. You could see it on their faces that I had lost my mind. There was a lot of that going around. What? Seth asked desperately. I thought you hated that guy. And how is he going to help us with a vampire problem if we can't tell him about it? Ava asked directly. Well, I don't like him. That's not the issue. He knows about the vampires now. You told him? Seth asked surprised. He found out on his own. His ranger showed up at his cabin last night and attacked him. I continued to tell the story. Is he okay? Ava asked. He was okay when I talked to him on the phone, but the conversation ended with them trying to get into his cabin. Let's hope he made it. I took the leather jacket off and folded it over my arm. And then I said, We need all the help we can get. What's with the chainsaw? Victoria asked. Oh, crap. I forgot to tell you guys. I talked to Eddie after school yesterday, and he thinks our woman of the woods is a dryad or a nymph or something like that. I tried to relay the conversation the best I could. Victoria and Ava looked at each other and shrugged their shoulders. Josie couldn't help but laugh silently to herself. She had been in their shoes the night before. Like a mythical Greek goddess? Victoria inquired. Emphasis on mythical? She's a goddess? Seth asked, confused? "'Not exactly,' Josie answered. "'She's probably a tree spirit.' "'Yes, if it's true, then we can kill her by cutting down her tree,' I exclaimed joyfully. Everyone's eyes went to the chainsaw and then back to me, and nobody commented. "'I know we don't know which tree is hers, but at least it's a lead.' "'Wow, we are really crazy. "'I trust you, Isaac, but you can never tell any of my other friends.' "'That I agreed to this,' Ava said with a smile. "'The rest chimed in similarly. "'If Eddie thinks of anything else, he will text me,' I said, "'pulling out my fully-charged phone and holding it in the air. "'We don't have service there,' Seth reminded me. "'I rolled my eyes at myself. He was right on that one. "'Well, let's go rescue a ranger,' Josie declared, "'and we all piled in the Trebekah.' I sat in the middle of the back seat with Ava on one side and Josie on the other. Hopefully it wasn't too awkward for either of them. Why would it be, right? I mean, for them. My heart's allegiance was tried and true. I loved Josie. I looked at Ava. She was attractive and kind, but she was Jason's girl. Jason, the dead guy's girl. I looked over at Josie. She was the one that had my heart. Victoria Road Shotgun up with Seth. Something was brewing between those two. Two hours later, we were in Flagstaff again. It had almost become a second home. It was gloriously sunny and it warmed my skin tremendously despite the cooler air. It almost had a burning sensation, but I wasn't complaining. I had been feeling frozen for weeks. We continued up the hill to the ranger station, hoping to find Saul alive and well. There he stood, healthy and proud, out in front of the station in his full ranger uniform. We could hear him yell as we pulled into park. "'Those damn things don't die!' he shouted as we climbed out of the car and greeted him. "'Well, you did bring a different car. Fancy.' "'We wanted to run a theory by you, sir,' I pleaded gently. "'I've got a theory for you. Vampires suck,' he said as he laughed to himself. "'Come on in, you guys.' He led us us into the station to the big leather couches to sit and talk. The interior of the station had pine wood paneling like the police station in town had. There were two couches in the corner making a waiting room of sorts. After we all settled in, the warden spoke. What you got? Well, this is going to sound a little out there, but here it goes. See, there is a ghost woman in the woods who changed our friends Marcos and Jason into vampires. I started, but he cut me off, and I started to remember all the reasons I didn't like him. A woman, you say? Yes, she's like six foot tall, white dress, white hair, red eyes, Seth tried to describe. Spooky, Saul replied with that closed mouth smile. I couldn't stake her. My hand went right through her, but she was able to hit me. As I explained, the warden started laughing out loud. It was so obnoxious. Excuse me? I asked a bit irritated. No, no, sorry. I'm just picturing you with a wooden doorstop trying to stab a ghost, he joked. Everyone squirmed a bit in their seats because of his rudeness. Anyway, she can bite humans and turn them into vampires, so she must be a vampire herself, but she's not human. So a friend of mine did some research, and he believes she's a dryad. Oh... Like a mountain Oriad? Saul asked with surprising understanding. We all looked at each other with wide eyes. Yes, exactly, I replied, astonished. They tell campfire stories about Oriad women at ranger training, he explained. I always thought it was a bunch of bull. Apparently not, eh? I guess not, I said back. So, how did a uh, Ori? or whatever the ghost lady how'd she become a vampire Seth asked. eddie's theory is that a thirsty vamp must have gotten lost in the forest found himself starving and bit her tree for sap which might have turned the spirit of the tree i explained this at the risk of losing everyone it seemed only to lose saul as he laughed deeply from his corner of the couch I'm truly sorry, son, but your friend Eddie is a funny guy, he decided aloud. His face was red from laughter, and he even had some tears in his eyes. I have a theory that a vampire urinated on a tree, causing the spirit of the tree to become a vampire, Josie stated confidently. That's so gross, Victoria replied, shaking her head. At least it makes a bit more sense, Ava admitted aloud. But her response was overshadowed by the loud laughter of Saul still. And I glared at him sternly. It's not that I don't believe it. It's just, this is all wild stuff. Okay, I got a question for you. Which tree is hers? I have no idea. Sure you do. Think. Saul probed. An oread is a pine spirit. That cuts the search down a tiny bit. No, I knew that. I just have no idea which pine... I think if we find her pine tree that her life force is connected to and cut it down, it will kill her and maybe even turn the others back to normal. Really? Ava asked. I made eye contact with her and nodded. She looked down and stared at her toes, seemingly conflicted about something. I've got a chainsaw, Saul announced. I've got one too. Is a plan to cut her tree down before dark so she can't stop us? Seth asked. "'That sounds good,' I agreed. "'Let's go kill some bad guys,' the warden stated heroically as we headed out of the door of the station. "'I noticed the sky wasn't as bright, and my skin wasn't on fire, so I grabbed Josie's wrist to check her UV bracelet. "'They were colorful. We had just come back out in the light. There was plenty of UV rays to keep us safe.' "'Hey, warden, what are you packing?' Seth asked, referring to weapons.' These bad boys, Saul responded by holding up his two fully loaded Glocks. Are those sporting silver bullets? Seth asked, implying the need, even though we had been over the fact that they were unnecessary. Not silver, but metal and shiny and they hurt plenty, he responded. Anyone pack food? Josie asked. The warden answered by opening an ice chest in the back of his Jeep for all to see. His food treasure trove. We got back in the Subaru and the warden got in his brown Jeep and... He drove back down the highway a ways and pulled off at the same spot to head us to the second clearing. I was confounded that Seth needed me to point out the turnoff again. Was it really that hard to locate? We parked where we always parked. There was now a well-worn trail from our tires. I checked Josie's beads again now that we were under the forest shade, but we were still in safe colors. We hoped we had all day to locate Vitalis' tree and cut it down, We discussed possible locations for it and hiked around comparing different pine trees. The warden didn't want us cutting down trees all willy-nilly. After a while, I could tell his chainsaw was weighing him down, but mine still was as light as a feather. I thought about offering to carry his, but I didn't want the possible suspicion. I don't know what he would think, but he already had trust issues with me. The six of us argued back and forth over which tree it could be. We dialogued over at least a 100 different trees and it went through our lunch break, eating as we fought. We finally narrowed it down to five, when Seth brought up the fact that Marcos said they were staying in a cave of some sort. Or so Marcos had made it sound, so the pine tree had to have a hole by it. None of our selected trees matched that description. After hours of searching, we came up empty, and our beads turned to white. We had run out of time. Time's up, warden, I exclaimed. We have to cut the tree down now. You just wanna cut all the trees down? Saul asked back with an unbelieving smirk. Yes, Josie answered for me. The sky turned quickly to dark and a few of us flipped on our flashlights. We were in the clearing we had first set up camp, staring at the tree line where the light first appeared. I started up my chainsaw with a deafening mechanical noise that echoed through the forest for miles. And the instant I did, the spookiest sight I have ever seen happen before our eyes. The instant before I pulled the saw cord, we stared at a dark forest of trees. The instant after, there appeared a ghostly woman next to every single pine tree in the forest. All of our jaws just dropped. Victoria huddled into Seth's arm, Josie into mine, and Ava quickly stood behind the warden who now had his guns drawn. The women of the woods were furious with my chainsaw that I was as I was threatening to end all of their private forest lives. I looked across the sea of transparent ghost faces to find the one I called Vitala, but there were too many. I shut the saw off in hopes that they would all disappear, but they did not. They all just stood, staring angrily at us. I tried to approach one slowly, but I was pushed back violently. Seth tried the same thing with a different one and was pushed back with more force than I was, falling hard on his behind. They weren't letting us out of that clearing. With the vampires on their way... We'd be fighting in a death trap. Can I shoot them? Saul asked, agitated, with weapons aimed ready to fire. No, don't shoot them. I don't think they're evil, I answered. I couldn't be sure, but something deep inside me knew they were good. Oriads, I mean you no harm, I spoke towards them. They tilted their heads like birds and examined me as if not understanding my words. Oriads? I asked again, but I got a similar response. They were less threatening and more curious now. I remembered Eddie's first theory about them possibly being Native American. Ava, say something, um, Indian to them. I don't know any Indian, she cried back. Not a lullaby or anything? She shook her head no. I put my hands together in a praying fashion for her to see. She continued shaking her head. It could help us save Jason. Ava started singing softly a bedtime song in her grandfather's native tongue. She wasn't Hopi, which was the tribe of the region, but I hoped it would work. The sea of Oread women looked curiously upon Ava as she sang. It did a number to calm them. I reapproached the lady who had just shoved me as Ava sang, and she shrunk back away from me each step I took. You could get the sense that they were very shy creatures. She was allowing me to go past the tree line now, so that was a start. "'What's your name?' I asked as I pointed at her. She didn't respond. "'I'm Isaac,' I said, pointing at my chest. She nodded at me, as did the others nearby, for there were literally millions. "'Do you know Vitala?' They all shrieked as if in pain, and then all of them disappeared, leaving no light in the forest at all, except for one, off in the distance. It wasn't a woman. It was a light. "'The Light.'" Light! I called out to the group. "'What's the plan now?' Saul asked. I found it fascinating that he took my direction rather than demanding to be the leader himself. "'Fight and try to win!' I replied with slight panic in my voice. "'Try to find something that hurts them!' Seth yelled. "'I thought we were going to try to save them!' Ava questioned with tears in her eyes again, as if I had given her hope of Jason and then ripped it away again. It was a terrible feeling that opportunity may have passed ava i said to her and josie rushed over to comfort her it was a bad time for her to break down and a worse time for josie to not be thinking about herself i tossed wooden stakes to seth and victoria and slid one into josie's coat pocket i reached for the leather jacket josie had gotten me that i had yet to put on and i swung it across my shoulders with stakes again hidden in my sleeves Saul had his guns out and ready to play and didn't look like he wanted anything to do with the stakes. We stared into the trees facing the light waiting for the attack, remembering just two of them came in a predatory circle of hidden shadows last time, but there would be four now. They wouldn't make any noise with their feet, only with their mouths. I knew that much, so it was hard to figure when they were close. Saul must have seen something out of the corner of his eye because... He shot his guns to his right. It almost hit Seth and Victoria, and they gave the warden a look of fear and disdain. Let's circle up in the clearing, backs to each other, that way we won't shoot good guys, I called out, and everyone followed directions. Now that we were out from the trees, we could see the shadows of the vampires circling us rapidly. It would take another miraculous stab to get one this time. Before I had the chance to do anything of the sort, Ava was snatched from the group by a shadow. We looked frantically all around, but we couldn't see her. I ran from the circle for a moment with my shining flashlight only to see Jason with blood dripping from his mouth and Ava laying limp in his arms. He pulled his head back and laughed victoriously with his deep booming voice before disappearing into a blur again. I returned to the circle, as some emotional pain built up inside of me from losing Ava, and I took a stab in the dark, landing Marcos yet again. stake to the chest. Nice work, Saul noticed as he filled Marcos with bullets. He screamed hideously as the holes shot through his body, but no blood poured out, as if he was an animated corpse without blood flow. Maybe that's why he desired it so. Maybe that was his motivation to drink. I tried to pull the stake back out of Marcos' chest. When he grabbed my arm and bent it back, I felt the bone break in two, and I cried out in pain. It throbbed to my heart's pulse. Need a splint for that break? Vampire Marcos asked as he slammed my stake into my arm where I had broken it. The wooden point went right through my new leather jacket sleeve. It couldn't have hurt any worse. I fell to the ground in tremendous agony. As I was down, I watched Josie and Victoria fight off vampire Deb with all the energy they could expend. I was proud of them. Deb was kicking and scratching like she had forgotten that the weapon was her teeth and the girls were beating her back. Saul shot anything evil that moved. Mostly Jason, whose human athleticism was... Transferred into beastly vampiric strength. The woman of the woods, Vitala, was a no show outside of her light in the distance. Seth was at war with vampire Dennis, who was very aware of his teeth as he snapped at him viciously. I climbed to my feet to help the others or to find Marcos when I was hit in the back of the head with a thick, heavy object like a tree branch. It knocked me out cold. When I came to, I was in what seemed like a dark room on a dirt floor. My arm was feeling better, and I saw the bloody stake on the ground next to me. Josie was holding my head and stroking my hair on her lap. I looked around to realize we weren't in a room, but simply behind a rock wall, maybe an old ruin. There were only two half walls and no roof. Saul was reloading his guns with his back to the wall, and... Seth was whispering to Victoria to be quiet. She was having a breakdown and crying loudly. How did we get here? I whispered to Josie. The warden helped us get here. It's safer than in the open. She answered very quietly. They haven't attacked in a couple hours. They are planning something, though. I'm sure of that, Saul added. How many hours until daylight? I asked. "'I'm figuring one, maybe two,' he said as he looked at the moon. "'Can we wait it out?' "'We are trying,' Josie said to me, still caressing my head. "'I stretched my arm out and flexed it. "'It had healed faster than my face had before, and I sat up. "'Anyone down?' I asked. "'On our side, you and the black-haired girl over there,' "'Saul replied, pointing at Victoria. "'I looked her over carefully,' to see Seth was treating her leg for an injury. It's like a knee sprain or something minor, but you son, you have a massive head wound and a broken arm and now you're fine playing 20 questions. And someday you're gonna have to explain to me how that works, he said with a closed mouth smile, but his eyes had more fear in them than normal. Wait, what about Ava? I asked, remembering Jason's attack on her, and everyone chose silence as a response. Tears started welling up in the corner of my eyes, and I quickly wiped them away. Anyone down on their side? I asked, hopefully, as I sat up. No, they're fine. I shot one guy twenty times in the chest, and then he broke your arm. I shot Dennis and Deb multiple times, and they seem a bit unfazed. And I completely removed one of your friend's heads with a buck knife and he just put it back on, he replied flatly. Are you serious? Quiet down now. That last part was a lie, but the rest is true. How in the world could you cut off a man's head with a knife, he said smiling. I'm glad that you're all better, because I hear one of them. He moved his head to indicate that they were just beyond the wall behind him, but they don't make noises when they approach. Well then, it's a sweet fluffy squirrel. Whatever it is, it's gonna get a chest full of lead in five, four, three, two, one. On one, he stood up tall over the wall and emptied both barrels into the night sky. And then he sat down again and nodded his head. It was the redhead. And the girls gasped. Ava, you have to tread quieter, we heard Jason's deep voice correct her. We'll teach you. It hurts. Ava's voice cried out from the ground, just on the other side of the half-wall. "'You'll feel better in a minute.' "'Let's go find Mother,' Jason's voice answered. They had turned Ava into a vampire now. Their army was growing. I quickly decided to follow them back to their den. I crouched down behind the wall and practiced crawling without making a sound. I could do it just like them. "'I won't let you go.' Josie whispered through tears. I need to go, Joe. We need to know which tree is Vitalis, or we're all going to end up like Ava. But you're hurt. I'm okay. I need to do this. I can stay quiet and hidden. Nothing will happen to me, I answered. They might get you. Marcos was able to hurt you badly, she said, crying pretty loudly now. If I don't go, they'll just take us all one by one. "'And who knows where it stops?' I responded as I wiped her tears from her cheeks. "'She reached out to kiss me, but I was pulled away by a hand on my collar. "'It was Saul.' "'Get going,' he pushed. "'I stayed crouched down low, and I snuck from behind our makeshift barricade. "'Ava's scent was strong. "'I remembered it from the car, and I tracked the two of them for miles. "'They turned around a couple times when I was careless and stepped on a pine cone, "'but they never saw me.' I was becoming just as quick, just as quiet. I didn't think of it at the time, but I was becoming just like them. I watched from about 20 feet away as they climbed into a small hole closely surrounded by three ponderosa trees. I figured one of the trees was hers. I looked up to the sky for a light, but it was still a few minutes away. I decided to follow my former friends into the cave, hoping to find information that could narrow the tree search down even further. If I could locate the tree, and the sun would come up, we would survive this thing. If I failed, Vitala's army would swell, and the unsuspecting world could be in danger. Or at least Arizona. I waited a few minutes after Jason and Ava went under, and I made my descent. I slid into a tight cave opening and find myself dropping three feet to a hard dirt floor. I could sense that it was pitch black, but my eyes somehow adjusted. It wasn't like I could see anything in front of me, but I could sense where the floor was, where the walls were, and that there were no people or vampires in the nearby vicinity. I crept quietly down a passageway. It seemed to go on about 30 yards, and then there was a second drop. It was deeper. I couldn't tell how deep. All I know is that I lost my stomach in the fall for a second, and I felt pain in my foot as I landed and fell down to my knees. I slowly climbed to my feet to find my right foot a bit painful. Unlike the first passageway, I was unable to sense any walls in the new cavern. It must have been enormous. My eyes caught a dim glow, a long walk in front of me, and I decided to go to it. I limped badly as I walked. My foot hurt really bad. I couldn't hear anything. It was terribly quiet down there. No sounds above and no sounds below as I crept like a vampire across the cave's rugged floor. Even as I dragged my right foot in a limp, it made no noises. As I got closer to the glow, I realized it was coming from another cavern. There was a crack in between a stone door and the cave's wall, allowing light to come through faintly. I felt frantically around the door and the wall for something to open the door, but I couldn't locate anything of use. I needed light. That's when I remembered my cell phone. I reached in my pocket and pulled it out and flipped it open. The screen lit up bright as the screen informed me that I was searching for service. I used the screen as a torch to examine the doorway. It was a stone and it had inscriptions all over it that looked like drawings. Maybe this was an ancient people's cave or something. That would make sort of sense, maybe. For the life of me, I couldn't think of any cave system like this ever being talked about in school as even being possible in Arizona. We read about Tom Sawyer's caves in Missouri and we studied the gold mines of Arizona. If this was a mine, I would have fell down a deep hole and died without any light anywhere. And I certainly wasn't in Missouri. I knew there were lava tubes up north around Flagstaff, but this was no lava tube. I was experiencing something new. I decided I probably just wasn't paying attention when we covered the deep cave systems of Flagstaff. Yeah, that was it. My phone screen went dim and I had to press the button to make it light up fully again. I looked over the inscriptions a second time. I snapped a few pictures of them with my camera when it beeped at me. I turned it over to see I had one bar of service It was a welcome impossibility and I quickly sent the pictures and a text explaining them to Eddie when my phone beeped again. I had lost service and I had no idea if my photo got through. I was disappointed to not get a reply from Eddie because I needed all the clues I could get. I was looking over the inscriptions again when I heard some noise on the other side of the door. I shut my phone quickly and I put it back in my pocket as I scrambled to find a corner to hide in. I was able to find something of a half boulder, and I tried to get around to the far side of it as the door opened, illuminating the massive cavern I was in. Impossibly, it was the size of a domed football stadium. I could see a hole in the roof where I must have fallen from. That fall should have injured me badly. Maybe it had. I looked down at my feet to see my ankle was twisted back as if broken. I snapped it back into place, and I felt the pain instantly go away. I almost sighed aloud in relief when I saw Jason and Ava walk from the doorway into the cavern. Ava looked in perfect health, with no bullet holes to be seen. They were discussing something, but I couldn't really hear it. It was like they were whispering, almost as if they suspected someone was there with them. My heart started beating harder in my chest. Did they know I was there? I slid down behind the half boulder as far as I could, hoping for them to just pass by. I looked over my shoulder at the stone doorway, which was slowly closing. I made a split-second decision to go through the door at risk of Jason seeing me, or worse, finding an army of vamps on the other side. I slipped through the doorway just as it closed behind me. My eyes struggled to adjust to the light. This much smaller cavern was well lit by torches of fire hanging from the walls. I crouched down low, hoping to be unseen by anyone inside, but it was unnecessary. I was alone. I waited there quietly for a minute, anticipating Jason coming back behind me, but it never happened. If he wasn't following me, he was headed back to my friends. I needed to be quick. There were no more inscriptions on the inside of the door. The room was circular and had stone brick walls, very man-made. In the middle of the room was a dark, deep hole. I walked to the edge and I looked down as far as I could. You certainly couldn't see the bottom of this hole. I pulled a quarter out of my pants pocket and dropped it in no sounds made the quarter made no contact i couldn't have been more confused why was there a well-lit cavern with a seemingly pointless abyss inside it was lost on me there didn't seem to be anything else in the room i took one more deep look in the pit when i thought i saw my eyes were playing tricks on me i looked and there was a light coming up from the hole i turned to run There was no way I wanted to face Vitala in a place like that. The door easily opened from the well-lit side, and I rushed into the dark cavern. I had no idea how I was going to get up through the hole in the ceiling that I had fell from. I looked around the giant room again, this time for something to climb as the door began to shut out the light. My eyes searched high and low until I spotted something as the light faded completely to black. It was Jason! I stood deadly still as my pupils opened and closed in an attempt to refocus in the dark, but it was no use. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't sense the walls. I could, however, sense something moving towards me. I pulled out my phone and I flipped it open. Its bluish-white light illuminated a small area of the room, and Jason slowly stepped into it, his eyes glowing red for blood, his mouth still stained from the blood of Ava. 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 Where was Ava? I turned and looked behind me when I was kicked in the stomach by a newly strengthened vampiric Ava. I doubled over in pain as Jason grabbed my head and slammed it down on his knee. It felt as if he crushed my skull and I dropped my phone on the ground as the screen went dim. I stood up to find myself punched in the face by Jason followed by a kick in the stomach by Ava. Why weren't they just biting me? "'I can save you!' I yelled out to my abusers. "'We don't need a savior!' Jason's deep voice echoed loudly through the cavern. "'You'll soon be like us!' Ava shouted, and it echoed similarly. "'I won't let you!' I responded, but they answered back with laughter. I swiftly picked up my phone and foolishly tried to jump towards the hole in the roof. "'Surely I had developed super-jumping abilities to match my home run swing, right?' "'Nope.' I did jump high enough to push off of Jason's shoulders with my foot as he tried to grab me, and I launched myself towards a tall rock formation and scrambled to the top of it. There were carved slots for feet like a ladder in the side of the cavern going up to the opening to the forest above. I went as fast as I could. When I reached the surface, it was almost daylight, and I longed to see if if Josie and the group had survived without me. I looked around to get my bearings, so I headed back to the ruins in the right direction when Vitala appeared in front of me. She was tall and intimidating, beautiful and powerful. She barely resembled her forest kin anymore. She had surpassed their innocent beauty. She was dangerous. I felt a strange attraction to that. Isaac, she tried to say sweetly. My love, you have come home. I realized she must have thought that I had become a vampire too and that I was there for some reason other than to seek out her tree. I hoped she couldn't read my mind because I couldn't keep those thoughts away. At least I didn't have a chainsaw. That would have been a big giveaway. I'm not your love, I replied, standing tall in my leather jacket with a nice blood-stained hole in the sleeve. She bristled a bit and her tone changed drastically from angelic to devilish. ''Don't you remember?'' she asked. ''Remember what?'' I asked her having more bravery than I had the right to. ''Don't you remember your dream?'' she said in a ghastly voice. ''You are mine now!'' ''That wasn't real!'' I shouted at her. ''Wasn't it?'' she snapped back. ''Then why are you so strong, so brave, so pale? You are almost complete!'' "'That's impossible!' I cried out, fighting my trajectory. "'It was taking a while longer, because I barely got a taste of you, "'but it will happen, sure enough. "'It's like an infection, and you can't stop it,' she assured. "'Ignorantly, I took another swipe at her, with a stake, "'this time going right through her with no recompense from her. "'She just faded away as the sun came up to save me. "'It burned my skin a little bit, "'but again, I preferred it to the cold I had been feeling.' I marked three trees the best I could and I made my way back to the group. We had a full day of sun to cut down our tree and get prepared for another night. I was determined to end it, whatever it took.